Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. We've got a special guest on the show today, our very own podcast hype man, Lloyd George, better known by his name name on all social platforms, Lloyd, not George. Lloyd is a podcast producer and social media influencer and is building a community of aspiring podcasters through tips, giveaways, and resourceful content for beginners. He's accumulated over 300,000 views on TikTok, and I'm confident Lloyd has something really interesting to share with us today. Lloyd, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on. Thanks, Sanjay. Super excited to be here. So let's start out with uh, kind of your background and and where you come from and, and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. So I was originally born uh, in a country called Zimbabwe. I moved to the United States in 2006, finished high school and went to college for about six months before dropping out. And that's when I like to say my career officially started. Um, I got a job at uh, an eye doctor's office sort of as like uh, an assistant. Um, And from that point, I basically networked my way into project management. I'd meet a patient at the uh, the eye doctor office and they say, oh, I know a friend, you should be my friend. I meet their friend, they offer me a job, I work there for a year and so on. And eventually I got into project management and I just fell in love. I've been doing that now for about seven years. Um, and that's when I felt like I, I found my calling. I, I was so happy, I'm fulfilled. Um, and so as a project manager, I've gotten the opportunity to work on a number of different projects. And um, in early about 2018-ish, I worked on a, a podcast project and that's when I decided I wanted to start a podcast and uh, the rest has been history since then. Okay, I'd love to dig into kind of that little snippet that you shared there of dropping out of college after six months. What motivated you to do that? It was a few different things. The first was I was never a great student, like ever. (laughs) I can't think of a time where I enjoyed school or excelled at school. And even the times where it felt like I was trying really hard, I just could not get good grades. I would be lucky if I got a C, normally I'd get like a high 68, which is an F in the state that I'm in. And I'd have to like convince the teachers, just like bump it to a 70. And, and that's how I'd like get through life. Um, and so the first thing is just, I wasn't a great student. And the second is that um, I just literally couldn't afford it. Okay. Uh, so uh, necessity is the mother of invention, it sounds like there. Um, so you so you moved in. Uh, incredible that you net- networked your way from the eye doctor into project management. But as you're working then as a project manager, um, what really made you get interested in podcasting? Was it like being able to talk to people, the stories? Like what what was it that really kind of was the aha moment for you? Yeah, I had a, a realization and the realization is that podcasting was the only medium that was audio based. So you could listen to it while you were doing something else at your job, walking, driving. Uh, it was also the only medium that was completely free 
you know, versus maybe like premium courses or um, YouTube. Um, it was also the only medium that had thousands of episodes available. So there's my first podcast that I listened to was a show called the Dave Ramsey podcast. And they do like three, four hours a day, every single day. And they've been doing that for like 10 years. So there's literally hundreds of thousands of hours available for you to listen to. Um, and so I couldn't think of another medium that would allow that level of um, flexibility and, and the way that I wanted to engage with it. And that's the first time I realized like, oh, this is different. Like this is this is something I need to be paying attention to. And I think there's a lot of potential here. Yeah. Well, what's interesting in the way you describe this is this is a lot like what entrepreneurs feel throughout in, in anything that they're doing is that you just start doing and there's nobody to tell you no. Um, there's, there's really nothing to stop you. And, and how you describe podcasting is the exact same thing. You're absolutely right. And I think that's the beauty of it. The podcast industry is so early that everyone is still working to define it. Um, and I tell people all the time, whatever you want it to be, you can create that. Yeah. So, um, let's take a little bit of a look back. Was this the first time that you started something entrepreneurial or did you do anything entrepreneurial before this? No, I had been um, entrepreneurial just as like a personality type. Um, my journey with entrepreneurship started when I was a, a sixth grader taking out trash bags in my neighborhood. And literally I'd make like five to $10 a day, which felt like so much money, um, particularly because like we needed the money to survive. So like every dollar helped, you know, my family. Um, so that's where my entrepreneurial journey started. In 2015, after getting married, I also took a stab at full-time entrepreneurship, doing web design and offering digital services. Did that for about two years and failed miserably at that. Uh, and so I decided to get back into the workforce. And so when this podcasting opportunity came about, I knew it was something I wanted to partake in. I just didn't know how. Yeah. Did you have any entrepreneurs in the family that you that you looked up to that you saw kind of their their hustle and their drive? No successful entrepreneurs, but um, my dad and some of my uncles had always just been very like entrepreneurial in spirit. They'd always try different things. Like my dad's never had like an actual job working for someone else. And so that was sort of like the first time I learned like, oh, you know, if you hustle, you can, you know, figure figure things out. And I think as an immigrant, it's a bit difficult starting a business in a different country. But my dad was really the first person I learned that, oh, okay, you know, if you decide to do your own thing, whatever you put in is is what you'll get out. Yeah. So thinking thinking back to the the web design company that you started, what was it an actual company? Did you incorporate and do all that or was it just like a side thing? I did. I did. Um, I incorporated, I, um, you know, got all of like the business stuff off the ground and I sort right. of enjoyed that aspect of it, like learning from scratch, how to start a business, how to be, um, legit and, and formal. Um, and I enjoyed that. I think that the part that I had difficulty with is I, I wish someone would have said the best way to succeed at your business is to go get a job so that you can grow your business. It's unrealistic to think that this business that you're starting, that you're going to know how to do the sales, you're going to know how to manage clients while right. your livelihood is dependent on it. Um, yeah. And so that's the area where I felt like I, I could have done better as an entrepreneur starting yeah. this web design business. Yeah. So is that the main lesson that you take away from that you know, failure? Although, you know, I don't really like to call it a failure. It was a learning experience. Is that the main lesson or were there other lessons that you then took forward into what you're doing now? That was for sure like the biggest lesson that I took from it. And and I'm grateful that I learned just that. And I definitely view it um, kind of to, to your point, just as a, a big learning experience. Um, and the biggest takeaway from it has just been 
I will never start something while that th- my livelihood is 100% dependent on that thing. That That is just like a recipe for disaster in, in my opinion. And so now even with the podcasting thing, my first thought was just, I'm going to go get a job that will allow me to start this side hustle and set it up in a way where I can do this for the next six years if I have to, um, knowing that it's going to take time to build. Yeah. So let's talk about that because that, that you know, for a lot of people is is the difficult part. How do you figure that out? How do you figure out, you know, what kind of job to get? Um, and how do you piece together the side hustle and have enough time to make that happen? Because especially with podcasting, um, it, it's a time intensive thing, right? You've got to be there. You've got to be, you know, your mindset's got to be right. You've got to be ready to go to be recording. So how did you figure these pieces out? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a great point. And I should say, even more like my business, my side hustle was not necessarily creating podcasting, but encouraging other people to start their first podcast. And so a lot of the ways that I monetize that business is working with brands in the podcast space and microphone companies and aspiring influencers. And so, you know, you can imagine that I'm having so many meetings that even more so time is of the essence. And so before I dove into this full-time, starting my side hustle, um, the job, my full-time day job was very time intensive. I mean, I was really busy. I worked for a digital agency. And so it was literally meeting. There's days where I'd work from like 7 a.m. to like 11 p.m. if we were like late on a project. And so I knew that I couldn't start my side hustle and run it effectively under those working conditions. And so I wrote down a list of things that would need to happen in my in my mind um, that would create sort of like an ideal working environment. Some of the things on that list were, I want to be able to start my day at, at 10 a.m., I want to know that I can I can wait till 10 a.m. before I have to do my first meeting. I also want to be able to um, shift meetings around or feel like if I need to do a podcast interview during the day that I can do that. And so I write down my list and it was very clear that there is absolutely no way I could stay at this company. And so I started applying for jobs. And one thing that was different this time than before is I was a lot more intentional in asking the company questions. Like, what do you expect of me? Like, how many hours specifically do you want me to work? What would happen if I did this? Um, And so I ended up finding uh, an amazing job, which is where I am now. Um, And it affords me the availability to create content during the day, to have all of my meetings and calls while still doing a great job in my day job. Yeah. And was this something I'm assuming that you were open with them uh, as you were applying for these jobs that, hey, this is why I'm asking these questions. I've got this side thing that I want to do as well. Um, no, I, I wasn't. Um, okay. And I think that was intentional. And I, I generally find more times than not sharing with your coworkers what your side hustle is or what it is you're doing. Doesn't it is it doesn't always work in your favor, quite frankly. Um, and, and I think it's sometimes it may be difficult, for instance, if you have X number of deliverables in your day job, but you're making a LinkedIn post that may be scheduled. They may assume that you're generally posting that piece of content during your working hours, right. which could be an issue. And so, you know, to avoid some of that, I just don't share any of that. I've even heard people take further extremes that, you know, I won't go into, but, you know, I didn't share any of that information up front. but it was just important for me to know more than anything, I'm not going to be stressed in this work environment. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's great advice. Um, so let's let's dive into stress as, as a thing. Um, how are you managing that stress? Because right now, so you've got a full time job, got a side hustle, married, have a family. I'm assuming. So you know, like you've got all of these friends. Uh, you are probably somewhere in there as well. Like, how, how do you juggle all of this stuff? How do you manage all of these demands that you've got going on? 
Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredibly tough. Um, and I'm a project manager, you know, by background, as we just discussed. And so I, I do take pleasure a bit in planning and organizing my life and setting up systems that make things a little bit easier. And so some of the tangible things that I've been able to do that help me manage stress um, is sort of have like a schedule. So I know that every single day between 7.15 a.m. and 8.15 a.m., I'm going to be creating content. 15 minutes of that hour is going to be spent writing out like the actual scripts. 15 minutes will be spent recording, 15 minutes editing, and 15 minutes publishing. And so I know by the time 9 a.m. comes, I've already created two or three videos I can go out that day. And that's more content than, you know, the average person. I also spend time Saturday mornings doing the same thing where I'll batch record about 10 videos. And so that'll give me two videos per day during the week. And so, you know, having some of those structures and, and systems, having a schedule of some kind definitely helps me um, create boundaries in my life. So I know that if I oversleep and it's 8.15, there just won't be any content today, but you know, I'm not going to let that impound in quality time with my wife or some of my friends or self-care or my day job. Um, and so at least defining what those lines are for you and what that schedule is for you is a great first step. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you were talking about having um, a place where you can make sure that you don't have any meetings until 10. Um, so what is your morning? You, you talked a little bit about 8.15 to 9.15, um, I think is what you said. Um, what, what else do you do in that morning time to, to kind of get you going and set you up for the day? Is it exercise? Is it what else is there in there? Yeah, absolutely. And that is something I'm still trying to figure out. Like there's definitely things I would love to have in my daily routine that don't currently exist. Um, and part of what I've been doing is taking on sort of like the approach from Atomic Habits where it's like, you know, this is where I am now and this is where I want to be eventually. What is like, what are the small, tiny changes I can start making today that hopefully a year from now will make a, a big difference? And so to that point, there's definitely things like working out that I, I'd love to include in my schedule. I'd love to read more. I'd love to meditate. And those things currently aren't in my schedule. Right now, I wake up at about um, 7, sometimes 6.45. I have 30 minutes before I have to start creating content. I create content from about 7.15 to 8.15 a.m. Uh, once I'm done, as soon as 8.15 comes around, uh, I, I currently live um, in Midtown and there's a coffee shop downstairs. It opens at 8 a.m. So right as I'm finishing, going downstairs to get a cup of coffee. Um, and then I spend a bit of time with my wife um, until 9 a.m. And that's formally when I start my day doing my day job. My first business meeting for my day job is at 11 a.m. Okay. Okay. So that that really gives you a lot of the morning time uh, right. to deal with that. And then of course, of course, the weekends as well. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So as you're thinking about this and, and as you're kind of scaling this, um, it's started out with just you, but then you've added people onto it. So how did you figure that out? How did you get people to help you with the side hustle and, and how did you make it all work? So part of what I'm uh, realizing is I uh, the content I create uh, lives online, primarily on TikTok. And there's been a bunch of people that would comment on my videos or that would see some of my content. And we would just sort of like 
kept in touch. Um, but what I started to realize is a lot of them had their own skills. They just didn't like creating content in the same way that I did. And so I was able to reach out to some of them and say, hey, is there any interest that you know, we could maybe work together. And so one of the guys helps me with copywriting. He he writes a lot of like my TikTok videos. Um, some of the other people help me like edit some of my videos. Um, and so my big idea is I think we all know that um, the content create, the creator economy, whether it be TikTok or podcasting, it's going to be very big. And I think that be you may not be someone that's comfortable being in front of camera, but definitely don't let that limit your ability to participate in the growth of the creator economy. And so if you're not like myself and don't love talking on a camera, um, you could probably reach out to a bunch of creators and say, hey, this is what I love to do. Do you need help? And they would probably say yes and probably pay you. Um, and so that's the other reason having a day job has been so beneficial for me. All of these people that help me, I'm able to actually pay them for their time. And so we all get to participate. It, it's not a burden or straining on anyone. Um, and I really enjoy that. So let, let's talk about revenue a little bit then. So you've been doing this side hustle for a while. Um, are you at the point where you're making money on it? Is it profitable um, or are you still kind of supporting it through the, the through the day job? It's a little bit of both. And that's something I'm uh, still trying to manage. So for example, there are some months where I don't make any money from like sponsors, brands, any of mm -hmm. my content creator side hustles, and I have to fund it out of my personal money. And that is is not always fun, but I, I look at it kind of as an investment. And then there are times where I'll make money through sponsorships. And just to give a more tangible example, an average month, like last month, for example, I made roughly um, about $4,000 of like brand deals. And that is enough money for me to like pay myself a little bit of money, pay some of the people that are helping me create the content. Um, and when that does happen, it's fantastic. I think part of what I'm trying to work on now is making that a lot more consistent. Um, and because I'm doing this for the first time, there's things that I'm learning in real time that uh, will help me do that, but it just is gonna take a little bit of time. For instance, one of the things I've decided now is um, a brand will pay me about $2,500 to create seven 30-second videos for them. Instead of saying, hey, let's do this for one month, one of the things I'm saying now is, would you be open to a three-month contract or would you be open to doing this for six months, which will help um, regulate some of that uh, incoming cash flow for the month. Right, right. So thinking about that, is there a level of revenue for this that then makes you think, hey, now it's time to quit the full-time job and go all in. And, and if there is a level, what is that level that you're like, okay, this is when the time is right? That is, that's a very tough question. And I was just chatting with my wife about it. Um, and I don't know that there is a number just yet because what I'm weighing is even if I was somehow able to make the exact same amount of money as I make from my day job, the the level of work that it would require me to input to make that level of money is a significant amount of time versus with the current day job that I have um, looking for something that's low effort, not that many meetings. For the most part, I can do it a lot faster than maybe they pay me to do. Um, and so I end up actually having more time um, you know, from my day to do things outside of my day job because I'm able to do it faster. I don't know that I it would be the same thing if I was making that level of money from my business. But I do think about that quite a lot and what it would take, what amount of money would it take for me to become a full-time entrepreneur? And, and that's tough. And so I guess there's a second part to that same question. Is that something you actually aspire to do? Is that 
you know, aside from the money, is that what you want to do? Or do you want to keep this as a side hustle? You know, I, I think that is what I want to do. And I do want to become a full-time entrepreneur at some point, but I would say that would be priority too. One thing that I would do, let's just say I made $10,000 this month for my side hustle. Um, a, a better alternative for me is what would the world look like if I reinvested all of that into my business um, and just continue to do that as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger versus making this now my sole income and not having that additional discretionary revenue. Right, right. Um, I like it. I like it. So let's let's dive into some of the things that you've discovered kind of along the way. I mean, it, running this by yourself essentially as a side hustle is a hard thing. So what kind of systems or apps or technology are you using or have you implemented or have you thought about that have helped you along this path? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think everything comes down to systems. I'm, I'm convinced that for what I do in the way that I enjoy doing it, I've sort of figured out the system that works. And I'm sure that'll change in three months. But just a few tangible systems I've been able to put in place is reaching out to sponsors. I used to feel like reaching out with sponsors and working with brands was this big mystery. But I now am finding that there's actually a a very clear process that has worked. If you email three to five people per week, at the end of the month, that'll be about 20 new relationships that you've started. If you do this for the whole year, you know, you can double that number. And so for me, those are just some, like I've created templates. I know that every Monday I'm going to send out three to five emails. Um, and so I've lowered the barrier for what it takes for me to reach out to a brand. I have the templates. I already have a list of all the people I want to email for the next few months. And so I'm able to do it a lot faster. There's not a lot that I have to think about. I just need to send it. And it now takes me about 30 minutes a week to send it. And so that is a system to me that I think has been worth it. And there is an ROI there, a revenue-based ROI. Um, the second system I've been able to put into place is creating content. And so I use a tool called Airtable to manage all of my content. And so I've just created a bunch of columns. One column is labeled title. The other column is labeled hook. The other column is labeled body. And the last column is labeled call to action. And so as I'm talking to you, I might get a quick idea and say, oh my gosh, it would be so amazing if I created a TikTok video about microphones. Great, I can put that under the title section as an idea. And then in the shower, I may think, oh great, this would be a great hook for that video. And as soon as I get out, I can jot that in the hook section. And so by the time I actually sit down to record, I may have 30 or 40 different TikTok videos that are already written out and all I have to do is read them and that then will take five minutes. So that to me is like lowering the barrier to create content versus doing all of that at one time, which you know can be a little difficult. Yeah, um, that that's a great, um great kind of system that you've got there. Uh, and I recommend to all people to have someplace where they can jot down ideas. I've never thought about doing that for content like that as well. Um, because right now I, I use like little random notes when I have ideas about content that I want to write about, but I probably need to kind of make that cohesive in, in a place like Airtable. So uh, great suggestion. Yeah. And, and I think just to that point, it's been uh, really interesting to see how well you can repurpose content when you track it. And so you may realize that, you know, hey, I, I wrote 30 ideas down a year ago. Um, I can actually repurpose all 30 of those ideas and create them in a fresh way. But if you're not keeping track, it, it could be kind of hard to do that. Oh, that's a good point. So you've thought about it or have you done this before where you've done a video and then a year later, 18 months later that you've done basically an update to that or, or, or retake on that? 
Oh, absolutely. And I've even seen, uh, there's a, a lady that did a, a study about this on TikTok where she took all of her videos she posted a year ago, reposted those exact same videos, no change to them, maybe just like the copy and the, like the title. And um, some of the videos that didn't do well before went viral this time. Um, and so I'm convinced that, you know, yeah, the, there's so much you can do if you hold on to that content and you document it just in terms of repurposing it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good point is that, you know, audience changes over time. A year later, your audience has gotten a year older. There's new people that have come along. But also, if you're doing um, uh, stories about uh, microphones or whatnot, in a year, there's new microphones. There's, there's new right. things to talk about. So um, it continues to stay fresh. Yeah. And I'll add to that just, you know, one idea too, is if we're looking at this from a different approach, um, generally speaking with social media, each time you post, the value of posting on social media is discoverability. And so each time you post, they're showing it to a new audience. So even if you said more aggressively, I'm going to repurpose my content every two to three months, they're going to show it to different people. And so then the likelihood and chance of virality increases because you're almost starting the scale over again. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a great piece of advice there. Um, so thinking about now where you are and looking back at what you've been through, uh, is there something that you would tell your pre-entrepreneurial you, um, this is like, I guess, after the trash bags, uh, hauling those around in Zimbabwe, um, you know, like after that, but before you actually started here uh, on, on some of the things that you're doing, um, what would you go back and tell yourself, uh, you know, what kind of advice would you give yourself uh, before you started all of this? That's such a, a great question. And I, I think about this quite a bit. I think the thing that I would tell myself is that you're capable and you can do it. Um, and I'm convinced that the hardest part of this journey is just believing that you're capable and you have what it takes to run a successful business. And sometimes, you know, I, I find that other people believe in me more than myself. Um, and so it, increasing how much I believe in myself and taking chances on myself and betting on myself has been something, an area that I'm still growing in. Um, and as I continue to grow, I find that the opportunities that are available to me become bigger and bigger. And so it's almost like, you know, as big as you can imagine and as big as you can dream, that is what's possible. That's also just as an immigrant, one of my favorite things about being in the United States, there's just like this spirit that, you know, like, we, the American dream, right? Like you can be whatever you want to be. If you, you know, just put your mind to it, it can happen. And, you know, um, and I, I admire that sort of like spirit that we have in, in this country. And it's still something that I'm adopting to and believing and owning. Yeah. There, there's a line in the uh, musical Hamilton that I absolutely love. Uh, it's immigrants. Uh, we get the job done. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a great line and, and yeah. it really does embody uh, what America is because all of us, uh, other than native Americans are, are immigrants at, at some right. level or, or some part of our history. Right. So last question for you, somebody that's, um, thinking about taking that leap and, and it's starting a side hustle or, or going full-time, what piece of advice would you give to them? I would tell them that you should take a risk and, and step out uh, for two reasons. The first is you have no idea who you could impact and who you could potentially help. And that may not have as much weight or substance uh, just coming from me as words. But sometimes when people reach out to me and they say, hey, I was not going to do this. And I heard you say I should take a risk and, and start a podcast. And I did. And it's been amazing. 
just hearing what those words do for me and my spirit is just, um, it's so encouraging and, and there's no feeling quite like it. And so I'd almost say uh, starting a, a business to help other people um, does a lot for you in the same way that it does for your customers. The second reason I'd say uh, to just start it is because you have no idea what could happen. Um, I consider myself to be a, a optimistic, probably a little too optimistic at times. But the the benefit of that is I walk around genuinely believing that you're one conversation away from something incredible happening in your life, or you're one day away from something amazing happening. And if you start a side hustle and you take that perspective, the things that'll happen in your life, you you won't even be able to dream about them. And that's you know how I feel. Um, about two weeks ago, my dream company reached out to me and asked if I'd be open to lead a podcast course on their behalf. Um, and if you asked me two years ago when I started my side hustle, like, hey, what would you want to happen? that wouldn't have even been something that I would put on the list. I didn't even know that that was like an option or a possible. <laughs> and so those are some of the experiences that will happen if you just take a risk and step out and start your side hustle. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. And worst thing is you're going to fail and you're just going to go back to what you were doing anyways, right? So right. It's, it's, there's really no downside. So take the leap. So before we go, Lloyd, uh, where can people find you? Um, absolutely. People can find me on all social platforms. My platform of choice is TikTok and Instagram at Lloyd, not George. That's L-L-O-Y-D, not George. Um, Lloyd, listen, it was great having you on. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and you had tons of great advice. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business Podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find me on Twitter at, at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparik.com.